0: Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to recall anything specific that happened before March of this year. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games we've never talked about before. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Disciple Detective and the Princess Bride Adventure Book game. Then, we dig into our memory banks to discuss some games we've played in the past that never really got featured here on our show. And now, here are your hosts, Kambi and Crystal.
1: Before the main episode, we have a couple of announcements. If you're listening to this the day it releases, currently BGG at Home is happening. It's a virtual convention instead of BGGCon. And tonight, Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central, there will be a rock band event that Derek is hosting, and Crystal and I are both in it in a song we, we pre-recorded a song and it'll be really cool so you should watch so it
0: <laughs> yes honestly I mean the song is great by itself but the yeah. video that you and I recorded <laughs> to go along with it I think people are going to really enjoy
1: it yeah
0: Speaking of BGG at Home, again, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, tomorrow, Friday, I am going to be hosting the main stage for BGG at Home on behalf of AEG. So I will not be streaming on the Blitz channel like I normally do. I will be on AEG's Twitch channel, and that is from... 4 to 8 p.m. Central Time. So that's the time zone of BGGCon. So it's 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, which is my time. And I'm really hoping that y'all will come out and support me while I am hosting for AEG. It is one of my first gigs of this nature. I've done a lot of streaming, but not dedicated streaming for another company before. And I'm really, really excited about it. It's going to be a really fun stream. So please come out for that tomorrow. Again, if you're listening to this on the day it releases.
1: Cool. And speaking of more streaming, next week, which is Thanksgiving in the United States uh, on November 26th, we will be doing an all-day stream for Thanksgiving. By we, I mean Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're hoping to pop in. Yes, but but, yeah. (laughs) I do have
0: some games that I've specifically picked out that I think you and I should play together.
1: On yeah, the that would be great.
0: So, yeah, no, I, I'm going to be alone on Thanksgiving um, because I am, you know, staying home to protect myself from COVID. And I imagine that there are a lot of other gamers who mm-hmm. are in a similar boat right now. They are, you know, in the, their bubble with their housemates or family or potentially by themselves like I am. And so I wanted to give you all Uh, somewhere to go and a a person to hang out with on Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. So if you are a little bit bummed about a not normal Thanksgiving, come hang out with me on our Twitch channel. I will be there all day. And by all day, I mean probably starting around noon Pacific time. So if you're (laughs) on the East Coast, not till later (laughs) in the day. But I'm really excited. Uh, I have a lot of fun things planned for that. And yeah, so uh, come join us on our Twitch channel on Thanksgiving Day.
1: Recently, I got a copy of Disciple Detective, which is an upcoming game, or I think it might be out now, designed by Lance Hill and published by Fun Hill Games. So Disciple Detective is a deduction game for two to five players. I only got to play it at two players. It's Christian themed around the 12 disciples, but you don't need to know the theme to play it. It just, it talks about the theme in the rule book, but like you don't need to know to play. It. So the way it works is you have these cards of the different disciples and they each have different attributes. And so that's how you figure out what you're holding in your hand. It's kind of like Hanabi where you hold your hands or hold your cards face out so you can't see them and everyone else can, and then people are giving you clues in order for you to figure out what you have. There's a cooperative version and a competitive version, so the cooperative version is kind of like Hanabi, you on your turn you can either give a clue to someone else or like guess your card. But the the competitive version is also kind of similar but like on your turn you you ask someone else to give you a clue so you ask like point to all of the people with this attribute so they have to tell the truth so it's not like you're giving clues to someone else because otherwise that would be you could just like give them bad clues <laughs> right yeah nobody
0: would want to give good clues ever <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so I played it twice uh only at two players once cooperative and once competitive it, it was a lot of deduction so at the beginning there. It was very thinky, like you're trying to figure out the clues. And um, in addition to all the, the attributes that e- each person has, there's also quirks that break the rules that say like, instead of this person having these attributes, what they do have, this person like, it shows up as not having them or this person always lies or something. So you have to t- keep, take that into account when you're trying to figure out who you have. So I I, li- I really liked the deduction at the beginning, um, figuring out the best clue to give and figuring out what, what cards you can have. But like in the cooperative mode, after we guessed a few, then there aren't that many left in the deck, so the deduction got a lot easier near the end. In the competitive mode, it was also similar, but for us, the deduction didn't fizzle out at the end since it just stops when the first player figures out all their cards. But in cooperative, like you figure out all of the cards, so like the last two <laughs> cards are really easy. <laughs> so so the, the quirks in Disciple Detective make it hard to give the clues accurately which is kind of a downside because then you're like thinking really hard (laughs) on your turn like I'm trying to give this clue but then I have to read all of the edge cases and (laughs) that gets annoying and so it's a a lot of deduction and thinking which can take a long time so if you don't like deduction then that definitely this game is not for you. The other thing is the game itself was kind of fiddly so the way the cards work is they're all dry erase boards and they have stuff on the back where you can mark what they have like yes or no for each thing. And so you're supposed to mark on the back what information you know, but then it's really hard to do that while you're holding the cards. And then also when you're holding the cards, you can't see everything. And like the person giving you clues can't see everything. So they have to like check their reference to see what you have in order to give you accurate clues. So I didn't like (laughs) how it was done because all the, all the notes are like with dry erase and it's really hard to do so it seems like the implementation would have been better with an app or something it's it's too cumbersome to play the game and that got in the way of the enjoyment but I liked the deduction a lot and it was definitely very very deduction intensive more more so than Hanabi so that's Disciple Detective a two to five player cooperative or competitive deduction game
0: (laughs) You know, this time of year, a lot of stores put sales online because people are getting ready to shop for the holidays and other things like that. And Target recently had a board game sale that I took advantage of. I bought a bunch of games knowing full well that I would not be able to play some of them right away because obviously I'm not meeting up with my game group. But I did get to play the Princess Bride Adventure Book game. This is one that I was really excited about because... The Princess Bride has always been a really important movie in my life because it's the first memory I have of my entire life. Like, literally, my first memory is being in a movie theater, just specifically the Cliffs of Insanity scene from The Princess Bride. So, it has always, like been in my heart and I will never tire of the movie. And that is I'm gonna bring come back to that in a little bit. But in the Princess Bride Adventure Book game, you literally have a storybook that has maps on it that you flip open and you do each chapter of the story. It is a cooperative game where you are collecting cards. The story deck has uh just simple terms and I can or uh, pictures on them that relate to different themes in a story, so there's revenge, courage, intrigue, adventure, love, all of the things that that make up a great story, like The Princess Bride, and players are moving through each chapter of the story, attempting to finish a number of specific goals before they can move on to the next chapter. As far as difficulty goes, this is a fairly simple or light, like a family weight cooperative game i would liken it to, like it's easier i would say strategically than something like pandemic but only some of the time because each chapter is a little bit different and the game does get harder as you progress like the first chapter mm. is pretty easy you're literally just on the farm and wesley and buttercup are meeting for the first time and buttercup is making wesley do tasks and then uh, he fetches a pitcher for her, and then he goes off to find his fortune. It, the best part about this game, and I don't know how well I'll be able to convey this to you all, but it captures the feeling of this movie in spades. I've previously described the uh, Legendary Encounters Firefly game as one of the most thematically and mechanically married Games that I've ever played, like where the mechanics and the theme just worked together seamlessly. This beats that out. I honestly think this is one of the best marriages, mowages of theme and mechanics I've ever seen in a board game. Like, no joke. It's one of those things where you read through the rules of a chapter and like what you're allowed to do and what you can't do, and then I literally, so on the, this is no spoilers for the game because it is the story of the movie. If you've never seen the movie, dear God, go watch, turn the podcast off right now and go watch it because I'm about to spoil the ending. (laughs) Go watch it. I swear you should not listen to this podcast if you have not, go, go, it's fine. Okay. So the final chapter, you're storming the castle. Literally Indigo is chasing Count Rugen and Count Rugen is running through locked doors. Fezig has to come break down those doors to allow Indigo to continue chasing him, and he has to defeat Count Rugen twice before Count Rugen gets removed from the board. But while that's happening, Fezig has to carry Wesley, because Wesley can't move because he's been mostly <laughs> dead all day, uh, over to the honeymoon suite to find Buttercup, where he then has to basically prove himself to Prince Humperdinck before Prince Humperdinck outproves him. And when I just, when we were like, every single bit of it i was just like oh this is good oh this is good it makes perfect sense because this and this and this if you're like me and you love the princess bride this game has a lot of fun in it for you i i will i have to back up and say it's not a gamery gamers cooperative game like if you're a group of adults who really want a good cooperative game experience and that's all you're looking for this is not the game for you but if you are a family with like some kids or some pre-teens and y'all love The Princess Bride, this is a must-buy. Like, honestly. I will. The gameplay is a little bit longer than I would have expected because they kind of say, like, okay, you play one chapter and then you just immediately move on to the next, but if you play through all of the chapters in a row, it's a pretty long experience. But if you played them, like, one or two chapters at a time, like, maybe as a family before the kids go to bed, it feels like that would work really well. There's not a ton of like difficult strategic decisions. This is a game that could be quarterbacked fairly easily, but you do have to make some intelligent decisions about what to do and when to do it to complete all of the goals in each chapter. And there is some luck based on card draws and things like that, but there are also ways to mitigate those. You have miracle tokens that you can spend that you get on different chapter boards and also uh, special cards that will give you special abilities as well. I really, really enjoyed this. And I it's hard for me to say how much of that is my love of the Princess Bride and how much is the game. I think more of it comes from the theme than the mechanics, but they did a really good job of Mauiing the two. And I'm gonna keep saying that, y'all, just <laughs> deal with it. It's inconceivable how much I like this game. <laughs> it's pretty cheap too it's at Target or wherever else it's mass market it's published by Ravensburger if you like The Princess Bride and you want a fun pretty easy cooperative game experience go grab this for Christmas or buy it for your like buy it as a gift for somebody this would be a fun Christmas gift for a family Mm -hmm. Ambie we've been doing this podcast for nearly five years now
1: wow I know, right?
0: And as a result of releasing an episode every single two weeks for five years, we've talked about a whole lot of board games. Yep, (laughs) we have. But shockingly, we've played more board games than we've talked about here on this podcast.
1: I'm not sure if it's that shocking. Yeah, it's not that
0: shocking. (laughs) As as we've mentioned many times during the pandemic, we've been struggling to come up with topics for discussion because we're not playing as many board games right now. And so we don't have that little like spark of inspiration that we normally Mm -hmm. do when we get together with our friends and play games. But Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking this might be a good opportunity to go back and talk about some of the games that we've played over the past few years, that we never really got an opportunity to talk about. And that doesn't mean that the games were bad or not worth mentioning, but sometimes you just can't talk about all of the games that you've played, especially, for instance, when you go to, to a convention, and if you're Ambie and you play 100 games in a, whole, in a weekend, we can't talk about all of those.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for me, yeah, I think a lot of mine are games that I learned at a convention or games that I just played before starting the podcast, some of them, and then just never got around to talking about them much. (laughs) Yeah, most of,
0: a a vast majority of the games uh, that I've kind of listed out for myself, I did learn at conventions. Some of them I have played multiple times, but most Mm -hmm. of them I do not own currently. And that's not to say that I don't want to own them. There's a couple that I just played earlier this year there's a couple that are out of print. And then mm-hmm. there's like some there, there's one in particular on my list that I'm looking at that I will never own because I don't need to. Somebody else in my game group has it already mm-hmm. in like that yeah, kind yeah. of situation. So it's like there's no reason for me to buy it, even though I'm willing yeah. to play
1: it. So I guess let's just start talking about them. <laughs> yeah, I want to
0: hear about some of the games that you want yeah. to highlight that you haven't highlighted before.
1: Yeah, so I actually looked through my top 100 list to see which games on there I haven't talked about on the podcast. And so one of them is Northern Pacific, which is a really short train game. And I probably haven't talked about it because it's so short and I always, like, always talking about another game whenever I played it. So, That's the one
0: that you taught me at BlitzCon, isn't it? Uh,
1: Is that the probably, one that maybe? It's <laughs> the one, so it
0: had the glass thing on top of the yeah. board, and we were <laughs> yeah. laying out the trains, and it...
1: It's, like, 15 minutes long. Yeah! <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I forgot yeah. what that was called!
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you're basically on your turn, you're, you're either, like, betting on a city for this train to go to get there, and this train just moves across the map from left to right, and you either bet on a city by putting a cube there or move the train and if the train gets to the city then you get your cube plus another cube back so you're trying to get the most cubes and you have to have more than you started to win but that's it and it's it's really short and then like people put their cubes in the same city so then they're trying to move the get, the train towards it but then other people don't have their cubes there so they try to move their train away from it and like the train can only go one way so once it passes the city it can't go back so so you're like kind of teaming up with people and It's really quick and easy and it it gets people into the whole like shared incentive train game thing really easily. (laughs) So that's Northern Pacific.
0: So the one that I mentioned that I'm not buying because somebody else in my game group owns it, I actually just played this year. I've I've gotten together with one or two friends a couple of times during the pandemic, usually playing outdoors and socially distanced with masks. And I was lucky to have my friend Kathy, who I've mentioned many times on the podcast before, teach me Cryptid, which has been around for a while now and it kind of got a lot of buzz. Everybody really loved it, and I—I I don't know what I thought it was, but it is not what I thought it was. I knew that it was a deduction game, but in my head, it was—it was like a big, heavy, long game, I think. Oh. And it's not <laughs> yeah. at all. It's pretty quick, honestly. I'm horrible at it, like really bad. I don't—I talked about this before. Pure deduction games. I am the worst at. I'm the person who even playing Clue, I'm like, yep, I figured it all out. I took great notes. It's so-and-so in the such-and-such with the thing. And everyone's like, no, all three of those things are wrong. (laughs) I just, I don't know why that part of my brain never developed, but apparently. And so, yeah, I don't win Cryptid, but it's really fun. And it's quick enough that, like, it does that brain-burny thing, but not to a point where it hurts. So, yeah, it's literally, it's a map with different types of terrain and some different buildings on it, and all of the players get, they get a rule that the, the spot on the map that is the spot that you're looking for must follow, and everybody knows one piece of the rule, basically, and so mm-hmm. then you're trying to, you're trying to find where the spot is, and the other players will tell you if the thing that you put on the board is illegal for one of the reasons in front of them. And you're just trying to suss mm-hmm. stuff out. And I'm horrible at it. and I love it. It's
1: great. <laughs> yeah. The cryptid is fun. Oh, and speaking of deduction, one of my games is a deduction game. Uh, out Foxed is a children's deduction game. That's, that's really good. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's good for kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> well,
0: if it's a kids yeah. game, then I'd say that's, that's really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it doesn't need any language. It has like, pictures so you're you're trying to catch this fox who I guess I don't know he stole chickens eggs or something but the fox has different things like they're wearing a scarf or not or like they have glasses or other stuff and so you go around the board to places and you can search for clues and then like if you get to a clue spot then you flip it over and it tells you or no wait you don't flip it over you have like a there's like a card decoder thing and you put the clue on it and the the card suspect is in there, and it has, like, green and red for yes or no. So, like, when you put the clue over it, it only has a hole open for that spot. So, like, each card is different, and it tells you if it's yes or no, which is pretty cool. So you don't need to ha- read anything. It just has, like, the, the green and red for yes or no. And then after you you get rid of all of the ones that don't match that, and so then you, like, catch the fox. So it's really good for kids, like, learning how to do deduction and it has cute little uh, hats as your player characters and then a fox that you're trying to catch because he's running away
0: (laughs) (laughs) this next game i learned at dice tower con Corey thompson who is a friend of the show uh taught it to me and i had not even heard that it existed before he taught it to me it is the game face to face So, a lot of people have heard of The Game, which is the worst named card (laughs) game in history. Well, did you know that while The Game is cooperative, The Game Face to Face is a two-player competitive version of The Game? And it's way better. Like... I know some people like the game. I don't. I really <laughs> strongly dislike the game. But the game face-to-face is awesome. So the two players each have ascending and descending piles of numbers in front of them. But And you're trying to get rid of your cards before your opponent. But you have to sometimes play on their piles instead of your own. And I don't exactly remember how all of the mechanics work. But basically... like you could be helping them by playing on their piles. And it's it's so fascinating how similar and yet different it is to the game. I don't mm. think it ever got distribution here in the States, which is why I think it is lesser known. I imagine you can probably mm. order it from German Amazon or something like that. Honestly, I would kind of like to get a copy of this to put in my quiver because it was super fun and I've been wanting to play it again. So, yeah, but no, I don't think many people are talking about it because I don't think it ever yeah. got wide distribution over here.
1: I'd never heard of it. So <laughs> yeah, like
0: it's, it's a really, really fun game. And especially I would say normally if you don't like one version of a thing, you won't like the other versions of the thing. In mm-hmm. this instance, I don't think that's the case. I don't wow. like the game and I really like the game face to face.
1: That's cool. A game that I first played at Dice Tower Con, I think it was back in 2013 or 2014 or something. But it's called Winner's Circle. It's a betting game, a horse racing betting game. It's really fun. Uh, I think it's like out of print and hard to find, but it's also Royal Turf is another name for it, I think. But like, there's the horses and you bet on horses to win. Like, I think you can bet on three different horses, different amounts. And then each horse has a card and then you roll a die and the die has different icons on it. So the, the the cards on the horses have the icons and they say how much it moves for that icon. But like on your turn you pick, you roll the die and then pick which horse you want to move. So like it could be, you could be trying to move the horse that you got that you want to win a lot or move another horse a little bit if you, if that's like the symbol for a little bit. And all the horses have to move before they can move again. So so it is really fun and quick. um it's a Reiner Kinesia game, so like all of the horses are balanced out math wise um, so um, but yeah, it, it's really fun just like a quick horse racing betting game and when we, when we played it we like, we we really liked it and our friends actually made a retheme of it to. My Little Pony. So the next year, we, we went back to Con and played their My I Little remember Pony version. I remember you all playing that. <laughs> yeah, of Winner's Circle. So <laughs> that, that's fun. But yeah, I, I guess I never talked about it because convention, right? Like-
0: <laughs> yeah, and I will say yeah. that we, we do sometimes specifically choose not to talk about games that are out of print because it, yeah. it does feel a little sad to sometimes get people hyped up and excited about a thing and then mm-hmm. have them find out, oh, I can't get that. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think there is value in talking about those games and that's kind of why we we're mentioning some of them here because A, those games could come back into print and B, it still gives people an idea of our taste in games as a whole. Yeah. And honestly, once in a while, you'll stumble across a copy of a really good game at a thrift store, and it's nice to know if it's worth grabbing. (laughs) The last one that I will mention here is a trick-taking game that I got to play at Dice Tower West earlier this year, right before everything shut down. I had been wanting to play this game for a while. It actually came out in 2019. It feels like that was a million years ago. (laughs) Um, But ever since it was released and I heard about it, I wanted to play it. It is called Time Chase. So it is a trick-taking game where all of the tricks that happen get laid out on the table in order and you can travel back in time to previous tricks and potentially change their outcome. So (laughs) the trump suit in any given uh, round changes Sometimes, So the trump is not always set in stone and you can spend tokens that you've won through certain actions to go back and play a card into an older trick. So the goal of the game is to control three tricks in the timeline. And that's really difficult to do because once you hit two, then someone will likely go back in time and try and take away one of the tricks that you've already won. But it's interesting because you're still always playing into a new, some people are playing into a new trick as well. So you oh you don't aren't ever sure if somebody's going to just play a card into the new trick or if they're going to go back in time and play into an old trick. And it sounds really complicated, but it's honestly not that difficult to learn and it does that cool thing that I've been raving about with other trick-taking games like the crew or skull king or any of those other games. It it makes you approach the mental mindset of trick-taking in a different way because you can't just look at your hand of cards and go, okay, clearly I play this first and then this and this and this and this. In a normal trick-taking game, there's like a, like hearts or spades. There's generally a pretty specific order to the way you're going to play your cards with some exceptions. But in these games, you have to completely throw away some of the things that you're used to, like, especially because Trump can change. You can't just slough off all of the cards of a specific Mm -hmm. suit to have more of something else because in theory that suit could become Trump and they could be valuable again. So it's really fascinating. I have not gotten a copy of this on my own yet because, well, pandemic, like I'm clearly not playing trick-taking games (laughs) right now. And I did just learn it at the beginning of this year, but I, this is a game that I will be purchasing and will likely go into my quiver. Um, I want to have this one with me pretty much at all times. And if I am around people who like trick-taking games, this and the crew are the ones that I'm going to bring out most of the time
1: yeah i want to try a time chase sometime
0: i really like it i wonder if there are any online implementations of it i should look i keep forgetting to do that sometimes like i'm like oh i missed <laughs> this game i want to play it and I'm, I'm like i haven't even looked to see if i could play it
1: online yeah
0: what are some other games i know we don't have a lot of time left ambi but what are mm-hmm. some other games that you wanted to at least mention i know it kind of flies against the <laughs> whole talking about them thing but what are some games <laughs> you haven't mentioned in the past that you think are worth giving a shout out to
1: there are a couple that I have on my list. Yggdrasil, which is a cooperative game that was out of print, but they did a reprint recently of like a new game of it. The Shipwreck Arcana, which we played at BlitzCon together. It's a deduction it is, game. Cooperative it is one deduction. of my
0: favorite cooperative games.
1: Yes. I also had Irish Gage on my list, which I actually... It's because I haven't played the new version. <laughs> but, but I played it like once at BGGCon, the old version. Um, It's a train game. Uh, and then... I, also, there were three that like have been mentioned on the podcast, but Hanabi and Catacombs were mentioned by Cassidy, not me. <laughs> so way Hanabi, back. Yeah. although I just mentioned Hanabi you and recently, you mention played Hanabi so, today. So much for that. Oh. <laughs> and then Catacombs is a dexterity game, and Crokinole is also a dexterity flicking game that I haven't mentioned, or like I've mentioned in passing. But like Crokinole is like just pure flicking on this big board, so it, it's expensive because it's a big nice wooden board, <laughs> but. Oh, yes.
0: A few other games that I wanted to mention. I, I'm not sure if I've talked about any of these. I don't think so. Cupcake Empire mm-hmm. is a dice action selection game with a really cute theme where you're literally making cupcakes and serving them to customers and the customer's outfits. their are little meeples and their outfits match the, their, their cupcake order. So, like, if they're wearing mm-hmm. a brown top and pink pants, that means oh, they I want a strawberry cupcake with chocolate <laughs> frosting. And... That's not the whole game, obviously, but gosh, it's cute. <laughs> New Frontiers and Jump Drive. I got to play both of those uh, actually with Eric Summer at different conventions. Awesome. He and I both really like Race for the Galaxy and Roll for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And New Frontiers and Jump Drive are also similar games in that same universe. And it's funny because I like all four of those games. <laughs> like, you, nice. I, it's, if I had to rank them... So I've only played New Frontiers and Jump Drive once. If I had to rank them, I think I would probably go Race for the Galaxy, New Frontiers, Roll for the Galaxy, then Jump Drive. But I like all four, so I wanted to mention that. Oh, and another game that I wanted to give a shout out to that I don't think I've mentioned is Billabong, which was as Spiel as Yara's winner like forever ago, and it's definitely out of print, but it's kangaroo racing around a Billabong, and it's surprisingly fun as a race game there are a couple of like slow moments in it but I can definitely see why it won the spiel As Yaras. it was in the bgg con library so that's how I got to play it um, mm-hmm. but it was fun because I, like, you know it was an older game that we broke out and I was like oh I can see why this won an award like it's not perfect mm-hmm. but it's it's fun
1: yeah get- getting to play old games like that from convention libraries is great
0: <laughs> absolutely especially like yeah like award winners that you don't Mm -hmm. know of like nobody knows of anymore like that's that's really cool well we would love to hear from our listeners are there any games that you all think nobody's talking about or that we haven't talked about you know we've (laughs) played them like maybe we played them with you at a convention and you're like come on talk about this let us know we we're we're starved for topics friends we need help (laughs) tell us what to talk about
1: and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content as well as to get links to all our social media pages this episode was sponsored by gray fox games for the month of november you can get 20 percent off your order of all non-exclusive items sold at greyfoxgames.com by entering the promo code bgbfall at checkout if you missed the kickstarter for campaign trail second edition don't worry you can still pre-order it directly from greyfoxgames.com. gray fox games quality games cleverly crafted Support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month by visiting patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. As a patron, you'll get access to pre-edit recordings and our private Slack channel where you can chat with us and other Blitz players every day. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mann. Board Game Blitz is part of the Tower Network. Until next time. Come on, baby. Let's play some games. Come on, baby. Let's play some games. Just head over to the shelf. Browse through the names. Bye, everyone! (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Ambie was twisting that whole time. (laughs) Recently, I got a review copy of Disciple Detective, which is a... Sorry, I didn't have the BGG page open. (laughs) Okay. I might actually start over, but I just was thinking, because Hanabi's on my list for... The games we haven't talked about Oh <laughs> so, <laughs> Episode <laughs> Ruin. <laughs> but that was like a soft game on my list. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um Hats and Foxes. A fox. <laughs> it has
0: This next game I learned at BGG Con. Nope delete all of that. that's not accurate. brain, <laughs>